0: as you were hearing this announcement. And the venue is BYOB. So if you want a drink, bring a drink. If you like a Diet Coke, bring a Diet Coke. And we're going to hang out afterwards. We can say hello to everybody. Hope to see you all there. See you there.
1: The only thing that that a person has control of is their thoughts. I mean, that's it. You can't control how someone else treats you. You can't control... How someone else looks at you, you can't control any of that. But what you can control is how you think.
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Height the podcast. I'm Allie back with my co-host Erica. Hello, hello.
0: Hello, hello from LA. How are you doing?
2: Good. We're on the same coast. Oh, yes. Yes. For a
0: day. And then we yes. Each other.
2: Which I should yeah. mention, if there is a little bit of an echo, it's because I'm in my mom's new place and she doesn't have a lot of furniture yet.
0: Oh, shit. Okay. Well, how are you? How are you feeling? I am very tired today.
2: <laughs> you I made it, though. I did make it. So I had a whirlwind of a week. I've already had a whirlwind of a weekend. It's not even over. Um, Where I played in a volleyball tournament all day yesterday. So I'm very sore um, and just tired in general. And then I did not pack before that volleyball tournament. So then I had to come home. I got home around like nine last night from the tournament and had to pack and also prepare my house to be gone for two weeks. And I also have friends staying with me. So I wanted to like make sure it was set up for them. I had to get my cats all set up. They've got a cat sitter coming. Like a lot had to get done it was a whirlwind and i almost missed my flight but we're here we made it
0: but you made it you're here the bag made it the bag made it everything was
2: fine i checked in with 6 minutes to spare ran onto the plane i was the very last person
0: we're doing great you got it you got it you made it yes. i'm 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 so looking forward to this week chilling out a little bit with the holidays i know this comes out after thanksgiving but hope everyone had a great thanksgiving i'll say that and i hope you chilled yes. out cuz i absolutely i could use it my God. Are better...
2: you going back home? Like going back to the East coast for Thanksgiving?
0: Yeah. I'll be going upstate, upstate, see my folks. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to doing nothing.
2: <laughs> it's going to be glorious. Yeah, so good. I am excited. Um, and I don't, because I was coming home and I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Cause I'm going, I'm staying here for a week and a half and then I'm going to Chicago for four days. Like I didn't really think it made sense to be swiping and like, trying to schedule dates when I'm about to leave. So I don't really have a whole lot on the dating front.
0: Uh, you do have a new move. You've been trying though. I do
2: have a new move I've been trying. Inspired by you, I have been using the voice memo opener on Bumble. And when we last spoke, I told you that it wasn't going that well um, in that I hadn't yet gotten any responses. I can now say that I've gotten zero <gasps> zero responses Oh, no, come on zero they're so far
1: oh,
2: man, i know i haven't tried your twist to the move yet though so tell the listeners about the like combo platter move you've been doing
0: okay yeah I, I came up with it after we did the opener move episode of i was like oh let me combine both and it's also because that timer's running out on bumble you got to say mm-hmm. something so i took your move i i do a hey whatever their name is smiley face uh big question for you dot 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 and then when they answer I send a voice memo and I'll just be like how do you feel about voice memos do you love them hate them what's going on also hi I'm Erica nice to meet you or something cute from their profile but I keep it kind of short sweet and uh, yeah I have been having a lot of success I'm not trying to brag or, or rub I- it in <laughs> but it's what it's, it's been working for me
2: I love it. And I'm going to. So now that you've told me this, I think when I'm like not really swiping on Bumble at all right now because I don't really want to do the traveling thing. I guess I could because I pay for Bumble. So I could like travel back to New York. But I feel like right now, like the week of Thanksgiving is not a great time to be swiping in the city because like the chances that somebody lives there are even lower than usual. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but when I get back, I think I'm going to put that into into practice and we'll
0: see what happens. I'm for it. Also, yeah, I agree with you on just if you feel it's dead, it's holiday time. If you if you can't go on a date within, let's say a week, I'll even say a few days personally, but uh, like a week, you can't schedule within seven days. I don't feel like it's worth it to be on the apps. I feel like it always just dies then.
2: Yeah, it's really hard if you like lose that momentum. I think for me, I might go out a little bit further than that only because my own schedule is often like mm-hmm. that's just like often true for me. Yeah. That like I'm booked for the next week. So like for me it's maybe more like if if I can't say how about next week? If I can't use the words next week. Yes. And right. have there be a free day, then then I think that I am where I am at now where it's like what am I going to say I'll see you literally right now I would be like are you free in December? <laughs> Yeah, that's not, if it's the
0: next month, yeah, let it go. Right, yeah, exactly, because
2: I I could come back on December 4th, so like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to be out here messaging people being like, this sounds great, I'd love to hear about it on a date in December. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree with you. Also, the only plus side of like, when the apps feel dead is then when there are people messaging me, I'm like, oh, I feel like this person really is looking to date, if they're they're still putting in the time and effort during these times. Uh, True. So you never, you never know, but. I, yeah, I'm, been, I'm doing the voice memos, and if you're on Hinge, I'll say, "Yeah, match with me for a voice memo," and then I'll I'll send one. But I it's also it. it's the comedian in me, you know. It's, it feels like I'm doing crowd work vocally. Like, I mean,
2: I'm probably just I'm obviously not as good at it as you are because this,
0: this is your <laughs> literal
2: job. But you're new, so I think you're I, I, I think yeah, I just got I got to get my sea legs with the yeah. with the voice memos a little bit. I'll settle into them. I think
0: I have faith. I have faith. I think I everyone should try you. it. I think it, I think it livens it up, but. um... Yeah, the only other big update for me really was uh came out to LA, taped my cordon set, so it's it's public, Woo! it's live. It Woo-woo. was amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh especially it feels like such a blur when you do it that I'm I generally sure. was like, uh people are like, How'd it go? I'm like, I think good. I don't know. <laughs> like there, there was a reaction every time, but you're just you're focused on like I have one joke, I swear, you can't swear you you know just trying to hit oh, all your punches interesting yeah yeah and it's live and you know obviously there's a specific time limit you have to be within so you're also like okay i can't go over that right i've had friends do that and then they have to edit the set and that's a lot worse because oh. they'll just decide they don't you know they don't they consult don't consult you. you yeah they don't you're care. the little person yeah they yeah don't care. they don't care yeah um but yeah it feels it feels good i'll say that it feels it just feels really good to you know Whenever you work at anything for a very long time, and if you finally get some type of like kudos and recognition, it uh it feels really good. So I'm I'm very happy with it. Oh uh, yeah, you and should I, celebrate I, yourself. I mean, I know you did. Oh, I did have already. I did. Yeah. I did. The Patreon heard it. I did. The the Patreon heard all <laughs> of it. I, I had a good time
2: this a... week's Patreon I said to you I was like I feel like we're, it will be heavily edited but I feel like this week's Patreon would be a good opportunity for like a teaser on the main pod feed of like yeah. this is the vibe like it's yeah. a good vibe check
0: episode it is we're getting lo- we're loose over there we're getting we're a little loose over loose. there very loose I was you
2: know? silently laughing there were tears streaming down my face <laughs> multiple points of yeah, the episode I was... <laughs> can, yeah,
0: I, can, was can I so share fun. my move from the night should yes share my uh, a, okay. that is an
2: absolutely absolutely we need to all
0: right I'm pro pro moves on this pod make your move whatever uh so I ended up going home with somebody uh because your girl's got some game and We'd I did the smoothest <laughs> yeah I did the smoothest move in my life of I we were leaving the bar and I just opened up my uber app tapped the destination and I just handed him the phone oh it's so just, good <laughs> just be like where are we going it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it was great. Then my friend was like, Are we going back to the hotel? I was like, uh, we're not. But you can. We're oh. He decided that we're not. No, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> oh, that's nah, so I just it. Well, yes. I love that move. I love everything about your LA trip. I I'm very excited for you. The
0: sun so- the signs are here. I oh I also was laid off. I don't think I shared that with the public pod. Yeah, I got laid no off the idea. day before my taping. Uh but truly that and a bunch of other things that have happened during my week here, uh have really just made it very clear to me that I should 100% move here. And being laid off, I'm going to try to make it happen sooner than later. So if anybody's looking for a sublet in Manhattan or a lease takeover, holler at your girl. I got a studio. Uh, Throw that out to the universe.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, that sucks. And it was terrible timing in terms of, like, your mental, you know, focus or whatever for Corden. But I agree with you. I feel like it's like, let's do this.
0: Yeah, cuz that was that was the big thing of when do you leave it? When when do mm-hmm. you finally leave it to really make the move? That was the one thing that I needed to be in New York for cuz my job I was in the office. So Yeah. Yeah. So I was like I'm I'm ready to rock. So. <laughs> uh but uh, I didn't know if you wanted to move on to our question of the week.
2: Yes, we did a poll that was coming out of a conversation that we had on the Patreon which I guess, I guess I realized that I didn't update on the Padre. Oh yeah. Which I'll do a very quick. There's we get we went into a lot more detail on the Patreon. If you want to join the Patreon, you can check that out. But the the really what all you need to know is that I had planned on when the Padre got back from his vacation with his friends, and which I didn't know the exact day, but it was like through the weekend, like a long vacation, that when he got back and assumedly texted me that I was gonna then tell him, you know, hey, I, I've had a great time here, but like I don't think this is the connection for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to proactively do that out of nowhere while he was on vacation with his friends. That's happened to me in reverse, and I did not like it. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to do that. Um, however, he did not text me when he got back. and Which valid that, no, totally. yeah, I mean, it's not he did he didn't do anything wrong, but like as a result, I mean, it's kind of like a mutual opt out situation. Yeah. It would seem. Um, so that, however, led to, we were talking on the Patreon about like, you know, when when is it like required, quote unquote, or is it ever required to like proactively say, like end things with somebody, you know, and it's not a ghosting scenario. Like we were very clear in that conversation and also in the poll that we'll talk about. The person has not reached out. Like if somebody reaches out to you, like fucking respond.
0: Yeah. Exactly, but that's not—that's not what I meant. Here. That's what I meant. Valid of you haven't spoken to him, but he also has not reached out to you. Yeah, no, neither of us. So,
2: yeah. okay, so the poll that we threw out to the listeners was: after how many dates is a quote-unquote breakup text or conversation necessary? And we gave them a scale of one to ten dates.
0: Am I trying to guess and yours? I'm oh, sorry. I I'll guess yours. Okay, guess mine. What do you think? What do you think my peep said? I think people are going to say three dates. Okay, mine average is it looks more four on the little scale. Same with mine. Yeah. So, but interestingly, not five. The average is right before five. And me too. And Look. I think I stand by my theory of I think a lot of people are assuming what about what date would you probably have slept with them? Yes.
2: And that something. is what a lot of people said in their explanations. They were yeah. like, After four or five dates, I've likely been intimate with this person. And then like that conversation definitely needs to happen.
0: Yes. And I had other people say if they said like five, there was really four or five, but they were like, oh, five, it feels like it's going somewhere. So it would Mm. be nice to alert the other person. And, And I agree with that of like anyone I've made it to five dates with was someone I ended up dating for a few months per se.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you think about how the length of time that five dates probably is, I mean, unless you're going on like rapid succession dates, you're talking at least a month, if not probably longer.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're doing one. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I didn't even think about it that way. If you're doing one date a week, it's like that's almost a month. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree on both cases. I think if you go on a few dates with someone, I'll even say three, the low end, and you're like, I'm not feeling this and I and I want to reach out and kind of put a bow on it nicely. You have every right to do that, but also, if nobody reaches out to anybody, like you said, mutual, yeah,
2: like I don't know. I was thinking to myself, what answer would I have picked if this poll had come upon my feed or whatever because I don't think that there's a there's an absolute answer where it's like if neither person has said anything, mm-hmm. who's to say maybe he was feeling the same way, and then it's like, well, who's to say who's to say whose responsibility it is? I guess is what I'm
0: saying. Yeah. I know. I I don't think I've ever sent it preemptively. It always was when there was another contact or I, clearly they asked for another date, but.
2: Yeah. I haven't either. I don't mind a preemptive text. We've talked about that on the pod before. Like yeah. I don't mind that at all. I think it's absolutely polite, absolutely valid if you want to send a preemptive text. For sure. And I, I actually think because of the way that a lot of people, the way because of the way that gender roles play out in specifically with women dating men. I think that it was interesting when we had this conversation about whether a preemptive text is necessary because I get a lot of questions when I do ask me anything's or what and whatnot from women who date men saying like, I had a great third date and then I never heard from him. What the heck? And my question is always, did he hear from you? Mm-hmm. And the answer is usually no in those scenarios. But then it's like, Okay, now that's a mutual situation, but it sounds like the woman in that case would have wanted
0: that preemptive text, right? Which I've been that person, and you know what I do? I text them. I go, "Hell yeah!" Like I don't like the vague. I don't like the gray of if I'm into someone and I feel this, you know, essentially confusion and like I'm not sure are they feeling it. I'll just I'll take the hit. I'll take the rejection because I prefer it than sitting and wondering. And hundred percent, I'm always like, yeah, text them. Also. Yeah, I have several male friends that will kind of do that. They will be like, you know what? I've been initiating everything. I wonder if this chick would reach out to me if like I if pulled I back. back. And so it's like, look, I don't, I don't think that's a bad game to play. Cause that's a, I don't know. I think it's Matthew Hussey advice. It's like, are you both investing in what's going on? And no one wants to feel like they're the only one investing in the relationship.
2: Yeah. And I don't even know if I would call it a game. Although I think like, Maybe what I might suggest is to, like, communicate about that Mm -hmm. versus, like, you know, the wait and see type of thing. But I think it's super valid of, like, wanting that equal investment.
0: Oh, for sure. Because we've all been there where you're like – I mean, my version of this is the person always hangs out with you, always goes out with you. However, I'm always the one asking. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I've done the pullback, too, of, like, I feel like if I didn't hit up this person, they would never reach out to me, both in dating and also friendships, let me say. Yes. and It I, is
2: so true in friendships, too.
0: It's so – it makes it kind of so clear of, like, oh, okay, this person doesn't really think of me. hmm And granted, some people aren't planners, but it's, like, to never hear from people is just very telling. Yeah. So,
2: but I, yeah, I agree. I totally
0: agree. If you want an um, answer – Reach out. (laughs) If you
2: want to know, ask. It's the only way to find out. Exactly.
0: So I've been talking a
2: bunch about how I'm trying to order in less. And part of that is that I'm cooking at home more. But when I don't have time to cook, which is more often than not, I have really still been loving Factors meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes.
0: Yeah, and they have so many options too. Every week, their menu, they have 35 options that you can pick from. So you can find whatever it is that you're looking for.
2: code FMH50 to get 50% off your first box
0: plus 20% off your next box. That's code FMH50 at factormeals.com slash FMH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
2: And then this leads to, I think this actually like translates pretty well into the guests that we have coming on this week because I think... Having had all of those repeated experiences, then like that starts to play out in future things that you have going on, right? Like, where if you had that experience, like you said, of like somebody who never reached out to you, then that's going to become like a trigger for you, something that you're like really anxious about in your next relationship. And, you know, that the cycles can like kind of end up repeating themselves. So this week we are bringing on Allison Roberts. Um, She's the founder of Unapologetic Power, which I, fucking love as a company name, by the way. Um, She's a cognitive behavioral expert and she is going to chat with us all about dating after trauma and you know, looking for that sort of approval and validation and how to kind of navigate through exactly what you said, like trying not to bring what you've been through in the past into
0: your current relationships. Yeah. Easier said than done, but I'm excited. Let's get to our guest. I'm excited
2: to hear about it. Here we go. (laughs) You're back with Allison. Hi Allison, welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde, the
1: podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Thank you. I'm very excited to have you. This is great. I love an expert.
1: Thanks. Yeah, yeah so um, yeah, so I'm I'm an expert in cognitive behavior and disempowering beliefs and changing those to empowering beliefs and so I'm I'm really looking forward to this conversation. This is going to be fun.
2: Yeah. So tell us, how how did you come to be an expert in this field?
1: So um, I went to school uh, for it, but also my passion comes from just my life experience. Um, I grew up in a very dysfunctional, abusive household and ended up being homeless and living in my car. Um, and it was in that journey that I decided that the only thing that I really had that I could do anything about where my thoughts it's really the only thing I owned um, mm-hmm. and so I literally started changing my mind about who I am what my life is going to look like um, who's going to be in my life who's not going to be in my life what I'm available for when I'm not available for um, all at the young age of 19 believe it or not <laughs> so wow. um, yeah so I'm 57 now my life looks very different from being homeless and living in a car obviously um, but that experience is what keeps me in this work.
0: Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's, yeah, hell of a pitch. Uh, I could see, <laughs> see how you turned it around. Wow.
1: Yeah, because so many people, you know, we, we become our circumstances. We believe that we don't have any power outside of our circumstances. And that is simply not true. Um, And even in the dating world, you know, so many people decide that they have to be a certain way in order to attract, you know, the the guy or the girl or whatever. Mm. And um, what ends up happening is that we attract a person who falls in love with our mask and not our true authentic self.
2: Yeah, we've talked about that a bunch of where like, if you attract somebody based on something that isn't your authentic self, like at what point do you reveal your authentic self? And then they're not into that and it ends. It's like, okay, well, if that's going to eventually happen anyway, why even start it that way? Exactly.
0: Or you know what else sometimes happens? They break up with you and you sit there and go, they don't even know the real me because I wasn't really being me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Like, so, but backing up, you know, it seems like so daunting as I think about like back to your 19 year old self, as you think about like, wow, I'm in these, you know, really dire circumstances and I want to change my mind about who I am. That, that sentence, just saying it seems overwhelming. Like where yeah. where do you
1: start with that? Yeah. Cause, um, the other caveat to this is that I was also pregnant. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so it was, uh, it was a situation where, um, my fiance's parents just were not on board with me being pregnant prior to us getting married. And, um, I'm pro-choice. I I believe we have autonomy, you know, over our bodies. Um, but I, I just couldn't, I couldn't have an abortion. I just couldn't do it. It just, my intuition was just screaming at me to not, to not. So I didn't. Um, and that is what opened the door for me to really become Allison, because it was the first time in my entire life that I said no, and and when I meant no, um, and faced some very harsh consequences, you know, locks changed on me, thrown out of the house, um, the you know, the whole nine. And it was, it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And it was the best thing that's ever happened to me because in that moment, I truly realized, you know, I am alone, 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 alone. Like there is no one for me to turn to. No one's going to come and rescue me. No one is here for me. And that can, it can sound really horrible, but also, when you're in that position, um, and, and what I try to, to teach in my, in my coaching world is to get to that position without, without being forced in that position, but to come to that awareness that really, we all really are all alone when it comes down to it. Um, we make our decisions by ourselves. Um, we may have some other people's influence, but really, at the end of the day, we are making our own decisions. Yeah. And that's what I did. I just started making a series of decisions okay. that were authentically mine. And in that series of making those decisions, I became Allison. Truly, truly Allison. So like one step at a time kind of thing. Like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. make
2: this decision and then I'm gonna make that one rather than having it seem like this I have to do everything at once, all right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I don't think it's possible to do everything at once and have a good outcome. I think that it's what people do when they panic and they just start throwing a bunch of action, hoping that things are going to get better. Um, Mm. But I had to get really still (laughs) and do some very, very serious soul searching.
2: What does that, what did that look like for you? Like being really still, like, tell us more about that.
1: Um, Well, the thing that was in my favor is that, you know, I was going to, to college, um, and living in my car simultaneously. So I, um, you know, I would go right from class to the parking garage and get in my car. And I would, I would just sit there and ask myself some really hard questions. Like where do, where do you want to be in five years? You know? Um, and I knew that that I knew that that meant placing my son for adoption as soon as he was born, because I did not want to drag him through my mud and my mess. Um, So making that decision first, like I'm going to place this baby for adoption. Everyone was against that too, even though everyone had told me don't have the baby. And then when I decided to have it, then they were trying to tell me what to do with him. And I'm like, you don't get to do that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so um, and then, you know, finish school, do an internship, um, you know, study codependency, heal your codependency, you know, heal. I had a serious emotional addiction to chaos, you know, um, a serious one. I would create it even if it wasn't there. And so, you know, addressing the chaos, addressing the addiction to the chaos Let's take literally just one step at a time, and the stillness was all of that soul searching and taking a huge inventory of my life and looking at really everything that was just working against me and how it was working against myself, and just getting very real. That's that to me is what getting very still is like. It's just going deep within. And having the courage to face your stuff and just be like, yeah, there's some stuff in here that definitely needs to be fixed.
0: When I'm curious, if you have someone that says to you, okay, I I really need to change my life, really change how I think, I really want to turn it around. What kind of questions would you have them ask themselves at the very beginning of making these changes?
1: Um, Am I getting the results that I want in my life right now. Um, that's question number one. Question number two is: Does my behavior match my dreams? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people's behavior doesn't match their passion, their purpose. Um, so if it's not matching, there's something that's a way off. The third you, thing. Sorry, is, can you?
2: I don't, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm very curious about that second one. Can you give an example? of like behavior, not matching dreams. Like, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so someone who wakes up every morning, um, sits in the hour and a half of traffic or now, you know, a lot of people are telecommuting, watch their computer, um, work for someone else, grind, hustle, hustle, grind, um, living paycheck to paycheck. All their credit cards are maxed out because they're not making enough money. Um, And they go to bed and they, they, excuse my language, they bitch and complain about it 24-7. But they're not doing anything to change their circumstance. Mm. So that's someone whose behavior is not matching their dream.
2: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I think like. One of the things that we talk about too a lot is when people are saying, you know, dating is really hard, dating is so tough, you know, that's really Yes. That those things are true. Like that is true. Oh,
1: girl, yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and oh, girl, like it can be hard and <laughs> you can exhibit behaviors to try to make things better for you.
1: Absolutely. While
2: acknowledging that something sucks.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, to put it into the dating world, what it would look like is, you know, somebody's dream is finding the one, you know, they want to find the one. Yeah. Um, but they're not on any dating apps. They're not playing any kind of sports. They're not like they're doing absolutely nothing. um, And they're bitching about how hard dating is, but they're not even dating. Right. Like that's like the perfect scenario is someone who's not their behavior is not matching their dream.
0: Hmm. Love that. Cause we, we, we're all for, you got to put yourself (laughs) out there somehow all for taking action over here.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and to this uh, number two that you told us, it's also like, look, we all naturally are creatures of habit. Yeah. So, so many times you just get stuck on the hamster wheel and the whole, I don't have free time, whatever other excuses you have. And and it's it's hard to offset the hamster wheel. But at the same time, it's like, what what is it? 18 days to form a habit? Like a lot of times you got to be like 18 days or 30 days. Give yourself a small window to be like, okay, every day for this amount of time, I'm going to do that one thing that I need to do and see how does that affect, how does that change? And, and an example I always think about it with is just like working out. I'll get in those swings of not working out at all. And it's so hard to get back in the routine. And then once I do, I'm like, how was I not doing this before?
2: Yeah. yeah. You're like, this feels so good. Why, why was I stopped? Like, why did I stop doing this?
0: Right. And time yeah. is such a big excuse with a lot of things. And I've used that myself. I've been like, I just don't have the time. It's like, you could make the time. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and,
1: yeah, go ahead, Ollie. I'm sorry.
2: Well, I was just going to say on that, like the a phrase that I've started to try to use with myself is rather than tell myself, Oh, I don't have time for that. Today, or I will say instead, I will say, I am not prioritizing that today.
1: Because in reality,
2: I have time. I have 24 hours of the day. Obviously, though, I can't do every single thing in the world in those 24 hours, but I largely can choose what I'm prioritizing.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Obviously, there are some things that we don't have choices in, but like, a lot of things there are, right? Like I am I am prioritizing that I want to play volleyball once a week. And that's a night that I'm not going to be doing anything else. That's my choice. But like I wouldn't say, oh, I don't have time to do X, Y, Z because I'm playing volleyball. No, I made that choice.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's like time and money are so abundant. And what we create is lack. We don't we don't create abundance and we don't create time because those are already so available to us. Those, is, those things are available to us as much as air is available to us. But what we create is lack with our with our mindset. And so, you're that is so cool that you're like I'm prioritizing that or I'm not prioritizing that because that is a completely different mindset and it's also taking radical personal responsibility instead of blaming time.
2: Yeah and and there's a lot i think you know it also is important to acknowledge there's a lot of privilege in a lot of that right of oh, like yeah. i i have the privilege of being able to prioritize volleyball let's say because i you know am in a position where i don't you know where i can stop work at a certain time or whatever it is but like so there are very real constraints that yeah. are out there but i think there's ways to work within constraints as well and you know shift that shift your mindset in that sense
1: Yeah. And, and it's interesting, you know, that we're talking about privilege. I had a really deep conversation with a girlfriend earlier today about, about privilege. Um, And I think that, you know, what I was explaining to her with mindset work is even, even in that space where there's certain privilege that's not available The only thing that that a person has control of is their thoughts. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. it. You can't control how someone else treats you. You can't control how someone else looks at you. You can't control any of that. But what you can control is how you think. And it restores your power. It really does.
0: Can I ask what are some tips you have or, I don't know, tricks – To getting yourself to start changing that mindset to not view everything as, you know, say personal or being done to you and more so owning it and being like, no, I, I, what I have control over, what, what would you say to flip that mindset?
1: Yeah. So the first thing is, is to understand like, what is your part in it? Um, Because a lot of times when we're being attacked, we counterattack. Um, or or we shrink. So there's usually like one of two ways: we either shrink down and we hide and we get really really small, or we counterattack. And so a great mindset for that is to just be. And I know it sounds like some people might hear that and be like, oh, "That is such bullshit." <laughs> <You know? laughs> but here's the thing: it's like if you're the person who automatically always counterattacks then what's happening is you're showing up defensive and you don't even realize it. You're showing up ready for a fight. If you're one of those person who people who's always you know ready to fight, then that's why you're showing up to the world is ready to fight. And if you're showing up where someone looks at you a certain way or makes a comment and you shrink down, then you're showing up already small. You're showing up already. So the, the best way to shift that is first like to own how you're showing up in the world and just to be like, man, that's really not getting the results I want. I want, you know, and the only thing that we can change is ourselves. And so it's to show up to just be. And what I mean by that is to become an observer of yourself and how you're reacting to situations that are harming you or hurting you and to become an observer opens up a beautiful door of curiosity. Like, that's really interesting that I feel this certain way right now. It's really interesting that I want to punch this person in the face. It's so interesting. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. Uh,
0: I'm so intrigued. I want to hit him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm
2: so uh, going to start using that. Like, this is so interesting that I feel yeah. like I want to slap you right in the
1: face. Yeah. 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 <laughs> i'm serious because first thing it does is it it does exactly what just happened which is it makes it funny you know and humor is very disarming mm-hmm. so just be like and i'll laugh at myself all the time i'm like man i want to God, i want to punch this person like i really want to punch this person it's so interesting that i want to punch them why do i want to punch them oh because i already feel so inadequate. And she pushed my inadequacy button or I'm already feeling like I don't belong in this group. And they just pushed that abandonment button Mm. inside of me. And then you start to see like, oh, I've got some stuff I need to heal because it's really not about them. It's my it's my shit. And so then you can get in there. And Be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna heal this inadequacy that's inside of me, I'm gonna heal this abandonment that's inside of me, I'm gonna heal this, you know, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not enough, uh, all this stuff inside of me. And you know, when, when I'm first saying it to my clients, they're they're like, oh my god, all of a sudden that just that feels so big, like it's so big. But here's the thing: once you heal one of them, you've already started the process of healing the other stuff. And so it's that first healing is the one that's like, yeah. But once you heal that it's like, oh man, okay, I've got this. Like this feels really good. And then you do start showing up different in the world. I mean, one of my clients, she, um, she was dating this guy and he like, she just blamed him, blamed him, blamed him, criticized him, criticized him, criticized him like all the time. And so I, I started saying, you know, I want you to start observing how you're being with him. Like before you open your mouth to him, I want you to just start noticing how you want. I mean, she would do stuff like stop the car, let me out. I'm just going to call Uber, you know, and um, get up out of restaurants and like leave and all these things. But they were like madly in love. They are madly in love. Um, And so she just started cracking up at herself and sh- and she started realizing like, this is really not about him at all. I'm projecting all of my dad's stuff onto this incredible guy who's showing up for me regularly and I'm just dumping all of my stuff all over him.
2: Yeah. I think that that is so relatable because I think that so often a lot of the questions that we get on the podcast or that like I get when I, you know, do AMAs or when I'm in my dating coaching is like, how do I not bring past stuff into this new thing. Like an example that we get all the time is somebody will say, I've been ghosted so many times yeah. that now if I don't hear from somebody within insert window here, I panic that they're ghosting me because of how often it's happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why so many women are not dating anymore. I mean, that's what the whole psychology today is article is about and back in August was how women are just like you know what raising their standards like raising those standards really really high I also think that dating for for women is changing so much because of dating coaches like you Allie people you know we didn't have dating coaches 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 years ago Um, so now we have these amazing dating coaches like you and others like you And I'm serious. I mean, I love your I love what you're doing. I love, love, love what you do. Um, it just brings so much awareness and so much healing. So, you know, guys that are ghosters, man, they're they're just gonna die lonely in their bed with nobody (laughs) there. Because women are just they're tired of it. They're just not dealing with it. They're they're just not they're not available for it anymore.
2: I hope so. I hope no one's available for it anymore. Like, cause I hear it the other the other side too. I feel like every time. I talk about, you know, mention something from, you know, one point of view. Other people are like, oh, well, I see it too on the other side. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. There are people out there
0: behaving poorly. To your point, I've also experienced is like going on a date with someone, you're like, we have this great time, great first date. And you're like, oh, I'd really look forward to a second. And then you never hear from that person. And you're like, why? What was I not on the same date? All that stuff. And I've gotten feedback from both male and female friends of mine that they're like, Well, a lot of times, like, you know, you can naturally give off the vibe, like, this is what I'm looking for. Like, I'm someone that's not going to put up with BS, or they're trying to charm you in a certain way, and they feel like they can't. Mm. Granted, they might be having a nice time, but I've gotten that feedback from friends of being like, yeah, I'm sure the person had a good time. But if they just wanted to hook up, and they got the vibe from you, you wanted more, they knew you weren't going to put up with essentially what they wanted or the game they were going to play. And that helped me reframe it of any time I have those good dates where you're like, but it was so fun. Why not? Like, why isn't there a second one? It's like, it could be a million reasons. And if you're giving off the vibe and the energy of wanting more and and having that higher standard, I think it's a good thing. It's going to indirectly just weed out those people.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It's so refreshing, though. Like, I was on a date a couple weeks ago. And at the end of the date, I was like, are you feeling this? You know, oh, yeah, love and, that. And he was like, "Nah, I'm not." And I was like, "I'm not either. I'm not feeling." Oh, wow! That. But, oh, I love that. But we talk every day. We've become like really, really great friends. Oh wow! I love it.
0: Yeah. Can I, can I ask how long into the date did you bring this up? Because I've wanted to do this like minute fifteen immediately. Pretty quickly.
1: I did it when, when the server brought the check to the table. Cause I didn't want him picking up a check for both of us. When I knew that I wasn't going to see him again, I just didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was a cool thing to do. Interesting. Um, yeah. So after we both agreed, I was like, can I please like take care of my own dinner? And he was like, that is so amazing. Yeah. I think that's why we just became like friends is because he felt respected uh, I felt respected he felt respected um, he's dating an amazing girl now and I'm like this is amazing um, so you know I-, I think that people at the end of a date they don't know how to end a date
2: <laughs> ending a date can be so hard especially if there's not especially in a situation where there might not be a set end point like you could get another drink
1: yeah
0: yeah, or the convo of, or if I've had this happen, if the, the man pays, and then saying goodbye, they're like, I would love this to, to do this again sometime. Do you want to go out again sometime? And the main reason I feel horrible being 100% honest and saying I wasn't feeling it in that moment is because they paid.
2: Oh, interesting. That it almost like
0: feels like, oh, I don't want to do that right now, this rejection. Uh, so it's interesting you brought up the paying thing, because I have felt it there at the end of the date. You're like, oh, I I don't want to let this person down, but I especially feel like, yeah, they might feel used or something like that.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, I wasn't that girl before, like I would just people please and play nicey nice and be like, yeah, I'd love to. And then have a headache and then be on my period and then my cat died and then my friend's cat died. And then my friend's cat's on her period. You know, we can't, I can't, I can't see you. You know, all this stuff is happening Um, just because he paid and I just didn't have the gonads to just be like, I don't want to see you anymore. You know? And so now I just, if I'm not feeling it, I, they, I, they don't pay. And I I just put that advice out there to everyone because you can have a very honest conversation when you pick up your own tab.
0: Very true. Yeah. I've done that move. I've done that move before, but it wasn't, it was, it's never been on a first date. I've done it on like a third date where I'm like, I know I don't want another one. I'm like, Oh, let me pay for my half or at least, or pick up the tab.
2: I always offer anyway. So then I'm like, if I offer to pay genuinely, I'm not doing a fake reach thing. I'm not like just offering, and then if they say yes, I'm judging them. Like I'm genuinely offering to pay for my half, and like happy to do so. Oh yeah. If they if they say yes, yeah, or if sorry, if they say no, if they like insist on paying for me, I feel like in that scenario, I'm like I go back and forth on whether I'm like oh, but should I insist? If I don't think I want to go on another date, like force the issue. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I think if you're offering and they're just insisting on paying, then they've made that decision and you're free to. Yeah.
2: um, That's, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. That like, it shouldn't be transactional, I think is where I'm going with it in my brain. Right. Like the fact, like them paying shouldn't be contingent on something I'm offering
1: to them exactly yeah which leads me also to the third date thing there seems to be like a third date rule of like on you know three dates no sex next date is like okay this is it this we're on like and I'm like no nah, no we're not
0: <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have any like uh advice you give to people in, in that realm of when should you sleep with someone or shouldn't
1: I think you should sleep with someone when you feel comfortable, you know. And if it's the first date, then go for it, you know. Um, rip the clothes off and and have at it, you know. Go out, go for it, because we're grown women and we can do whatever the hell we want. Um, but if you don't feel comfortable, um, uh, I don't care if it's day twenty seven. If you don't feel comfortable, um, then you're gonna be it's going to be even worse after, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. it's going to be way worse after the shame, the guilt, the anger at yourself, the anger at them, especially if the sex is terrible, then, then <laughs> it's just, you know, and, but then if the sex is great, then it com- becomes really confusing, um, you, you know, because if you're not ready, you're not ready. So that's, that's what I, you know, I have a grown adult daughter and, you know, we, we had this conversation when she was a teenager um, you know, and I just told her, I was like, listen, I'm going to make sure you're safe. I'm going to make sure that you're protected. My only thing I ask you is don't have sex just to have sex. I want you to have sex when you're ready to have sex. And that's not just the first time. That's every time. That's every time. Married, not married, single, doesn't matter. You should never have sex if you're not feeling it.
2: Yeah, I love that's that advice. Great. You would think that that would be a given, but like. But it's it's not. It's not. It's really not.
0: Well, I think often where a line gets blurred is you start to hook up with someone and you're not enjoying it. Yeah. And many women in that scenario feel like I already gave all the signals, gave all the signs, essentially said yes. And don't realize like you can take consent back and stop what's happening. And that's also okay.
1: Fully. You can take consent back in the middle.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. And anytime, but, but literally yeah. what you just said, just saying, you know what? I actually don't feel comfortable is the perfect thing to say. And that's something I feel I myself had to learn as the years went on of just mm-hmm. like, you're in that spot and you're in this in your head of, well, I don't want them to feel bad. And it's like, but right now I don't feel good. Right.
2: Right. You're, Cause you're now prioritizing their feelings over yours in that scenario.
0: Exactly. And especially yeah. it's like, it's comfortability and the person's not going to know unless you, you do speak up and say something. But I feel like that's especially where that line gets a little blurry where you're like, I did want to, but now I don't. I changed my mind and it's okay that you changed your mind.
1: Yeah. I mean, we change our mind about stuff all the time. (laughs) Always. Yeah. And I mean, you know, trigger warning, um, a, a situation happened to me last year just like this when I was in the throes of passion with this guy last year and, you know, same thing happened. I'm like, I, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to do this. And he proceeded anyway. Oh,
2: I'm so sorry.
1: <sighs> yeah. yep. Yeah. So it turned into a whole thing. Um, so it, you know, it, and it's somebody that I, you know, that I've known for, a, for a while, like this wasn't like a, you know, third date, fourth date kind of situation. This is somebody that I dated a long time ago. And then we, didn't see each other for a long time. And then we were trying to get back together again. And, mm-hmm. and he said that because we had already been intimate before that he thought it was fine. Oh, no,
0: no, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> that's, not, that's not fine. Yeah, if you're currently no. in a relationship, not in one, no matter the scenario, uh-uh. Yeah. I'm, I'm very sorry that happened to you. That's that's Yes, weird. but it's, you know, it's
1: conversations that really need to be had because I think a lot of women feel like they're the only one. Mm. Um, or, you know, like other women are smarter. This would never happen to another woman. You know, what did I do wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and they don't either, you know, the other women, if you're listening to this, you, you know, and this happened to you, I'm just telling you, you did not do anything wrong. Uh, I just think it's really important to put that out there.
2: Yeah. I, I've actually never shared this story on the podcast. Um, but When I lost my virginity was actually a very similar situation to that. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, I think I've mentioned – I maybe have alluded to it on the Patreon. I can't remember now. But in college, um, I really had a crush on this guy and invited him to a party that my roommates and I were having, and I was so excited for him to come and wasn't sure if he was going to come, and then he came and it was a theme party and he had dressed in theme i just remember being like so excited that he must have been like so happy to be there at the party or whatever obviously we were drinking and i was pretty drunk um and i remember we were like in my room and i remember i was telling him that i was waiting to be in love obviously i was not in love with this man we had never even been on a date at this point um and i remember telling him that and saying that i didn't want to because i was waiting to be in love and then he did anyway and i remember (sighs) him saying well it's not love but hopefully it was fine
0: what
1: oh my god oh my god i just i just don't i just don't get it i i'm so sorry that happened to you that is such bullshit
2: i appreciate that um but I think, and I think that that is what, the thing that I have shared before is that like that experience led to several years where I think I was like hypersexual because I I mm-hmm. wanted to, I think I had convinced myself that if sex didn't mean anything, then that was fine. Like that what happened to me was okay if sex was meaningless. Yeah. And and so I convinced myself that it was fine because sex doesn't matter. And so, yeah, obviously that didn't help.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the, and the neuroscience around that um, is that the brain actually repeats the trauma over and over and over again, believing that it's going to heal you. So you were actually in a parasympathetic, traumatic PTSD state that whole time. Um, You probably just didn't even realize that you were in a PTSD, traumatic, um, parasympathetic state. And so you were recreating the trauma repeatedly uh, because your brain really did believe like, okay, this time will be different. I will feel different. This time will be different. I will feel different. You were trying to take back your freedom through Mm -hmm the PTSD state that you were in.
2: Yeah. And like seeking out people who specifically were
0: not looking for serious things.
1: Oh yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I that. Mean, we're powerful. Be...
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, is it, is it partly you're like, you basically are recreating the scenario to almost be like, if this happens more frequently, then it's more normal to me.
1: Yeah. Like exactly.
2: desensitizing yourself to it. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, Damn, I and I taking back, back your, your power.
1: You know, yeah. it was just like every single time you're hoping that you're going to feel that power, you know, when you, and you weren't obviously, no, right. You're just numbing well, yeah, yourself. spoiler
2: alert, didn't, never, never, <laughs> never felt powerful in right. doing that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the work that I did when I first got into therapy as an adult, I was in therapy as a teenager for a while, but um, as an adult was like working through that of, gaining back my power and getting myself to a place where I could again, feel powerful in that space, but for a different reason.
1: Yeah. I'm glad that you went to therapy. Oh, still do love therapy. Pro
0: pro therapy. We're very Very pro -therapy.
2: therapy around here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had stepped away from therapy for a couple of years um, Cause I believe I'm a big believer in it too. I feel like therapy should be like going to the gynecologist once a year. I mean, you just, it's just something that you do. So I had stepped away from it, but when that happened to me last year, I stepped back into it, you know? Um, and my therapist was just like, this happens so often mm-hmm. and that just breaks my heart. It just breaks my yeah. heart. And I think that that's another reason why men are so lonely dating right now is because women are starting to really have autonomy over their own body. You know, we really think about it. Now, a lot of women are really who have, who do self-work and have coaches and, you know, do therapy and, and all, you know, and mindfulness all the time. They're not just going to lay down anymore. Mm-hmm you know, and be like, well, if I sleep with him, maybe he'll stay with me. Or if I sleep with him, maybe he'll stop, you know, seeing other women. Or if I sleep with him, maybe he'll put a ring on my finger. like women are like, I'm only going to sleep with you because I want to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's and that's about. it. <laughs> yeah. It's like back to that Psychology Today article you mentioned. It was like the, the rise of the lonely and single men or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. That was like talking about the, you know, that group of men, which – benefited from women not having that power.
1: Yeah.
2: And you know, need to figure out that that's not going to work anymore.
1: Nope, not gonna work.
0: With dealing with people and helping them work through trauma and especially not bring it to future relationships. Let's say somebody has let's go back to like when you sleep with someone, right? Let's say someone's like, listen, you know, the last couple people I was with, I I waited till the fourth date, and I slept with them on the fourth date and, and never heard from them again. And I thought, I was waiting the correct time and they suddenly make, I don't know, some type of rule where they're like with the next person, they're, they're terrified to do that. And cause they think that's going to happen. What, what advice uh, would you give to this person going, going forward in dating?
1: Uh, talking to the person they're dating Just being genius, totally completely transparent and authentic and just being like, listen, you know, I'm really feeling it with you. Like I'm really into you. I feel like you're really into me. Um, but I just want to be honest with you, like when it comes to sex, I've been, you know, I've been used like a McDonald's cheeseburger, you know, and the wrapper <laughs> just gets thrown in the, you know, in the trash can and I don't want to get thrown in the trash can. So this is what I'm thinking. Like, what, where are you with this? Uh, you know, I don't want to put any pressure on us, but at the same time, I'm not going to be treated like that anymore. I'm not available for that. So, you know, I find that guys respect women more who come to the table with honest conversation instead of us expecting them to know expecting them to read our body language or read our minds or like just Mm. automatically be better than the last guy and just automatically you know treat us better um I mean case in point I'm I started seeing this guy I met him on a hinge um a few weeks ago and we had our first date last week and he messaged me and he was like, you know, um, are we still on for tonight? And I said, yes. And and he was like, you know, are you excited? And I sat there for a second and I was like, you know, I could just say yes and send an emoji, but I was more nervous than I was excited. Mm, valid. So I wrote him back and I said, um, I'm really looking forward to meeting you, but for some reason, I'm just feeling really nervous and I don't know why. And he wrote me back one word, refreshing. Oh, wow. Refreshing. Oh, oh. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. He's also feeling a little nervous.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And just like, and when we talked about it at dinner, um, he's lovely. We talked about it at dinner and he's like, it was so sweet for you to just tell me how you're really feeling like he's like that is so rare it is so rare and uh, ladies guys listening to this podcast please just start saying like it is just tell it like it is Mm -hmm. seriously I mean you don't have anything to lose and everything to gain
0: one thing I'm curious of is I once saw this advice that was like Don't tell your future partners about the terrible ways you were treated because they might kind of be like, oh, that's what I can also kind of get away with. Like this person puts up with X, Y, Z. So I'm curious how you feel about that advice. But also I love that you added and I'm not doing that anymore in your last example. Like this has happened before and going forward. Like, you know, if I sleep with you, I, I see us as exclusive and not seeing other people. That's what it means to me. So I will not be doing that unless I know that's your boundaries. But but I'm curious how you feel about that advice of not, I guess, essentially sharing a lot of the ways we were treated poorly in the past to our new partners.
1: That's a great question. I love that question so much, Erica. Um, it's so important to talk about this. So airing dirty laundry and being honest are two completely different things. Mm. Um, and I don't think that we should air our dirty laundry ever. Um, It's nobody's business how many people you slept with. It's nobody's business if you've ever been slapped, hit, punched, kicked, um, used, raped, um, molested as a child. Like it's it's nobody's business except your own. And so you share at your comfort level. And, you know, as far as like airing dirty laundry, you just, the the best way to handle any of that stuff in the, in a new relationship is letting your boundaries be known, and setting very very clear boundaries, um, and also believing how someone acts instead of making excuses for someone else or saying other they must just be having a bad day or you know um, whatever might be going on. It's it's believing what you're seeing. Um, being smart and looking for, not looking for like, in a negative way, but in a self-protective way of like red flags, knowing what red flags are in a relationship, like trauma bonding and, you know, love bombing and all those kind of things. It's like, oh, this is a red flag, huge red flag. Um, So yeah, and and it's, it's setting those boundaries where You know, if, if a, you know, let's just say you go bowling with a guy and he makes a strike or something and then comes over and just like, you know, very gently, like gives you a punch on the shoulder or something. And you've been, you've come from a relationship that's abusive, right? And he didn't, and you know that he didn't mean anything by it, but a great boundary would be like, hey, um, I don't accept you ever putting your hands on me. Um, in a way that is even playfully is, you know, could be taken as an assault or like you're punching me. That's just not something I'm available for. And if it's a good guy, he'll say, oh my God. Yeah, of course, babe. No worries. It'll never happen again. If he's a jerk, then he's going to be like, oh my God, I was just kidding around. You're so sensitive. You know, then that's like when you're like, well, I'm calling it Uber. I'm out of here.
0: Mm.
1: I hope that answered your question.
0: No, it, it does. Because I love it. It's basically, it's just how you're phrasing it. So even in that example, right? You're not being like, hey, listen, I was abused in the past, blah, blah, blah. This happened with this person. Yep. And and <laughs> I recognize that in some of my friends that th- instead of being like, hey, in the past when I've slept with people and then I didn't hear from them again, I felt terrible about myself. They just say, honestly, I'm not someone that's into casual sex. Yep. Not my thing. Yeah. I only exactly. like having those people I care about or I'm with, and we're an exclusive thing. And you're not at all bringing up those past people or, yeah, revealing like how you've been treated. It's like, get exactly the point is, I'm not doing X, Y, Z. That's the point,
1: you, Erica. You're so absolutely right in that you can get your point across without having to bring up your past. But if you slip, you know, if you're having an emotional moment and you do happen to bring up the past, the person's response to that is going to tell you everything. And Yeah.
2: Because yeah. I was going to say too, I think like if you, especially as you move forward in a relationship and get to know somebody even more, I think like for me, I, I like to bring my partner into things that I've been through in the past as we move forward in a relationship, like that story that I shared is something that I typically share with people that I'm in mm-hmm. a serious relationship with, because I think it's an important piece of my history and who I am. Yeah. I don't think I have to share it with them, but I like to. Yeah. So, but I think that's, you're totally right, Allison. that I think the way that people react to your boundaries and or things about yourself, tough things that you share with them speaks volumes.
1: It mm-hmm. does. Yeah. And I mean, if they're too dismissive, like, Oh, great, babe. You know, thanks for sharing it. You know, you want some popcorn while we watch the movie. That's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the person that's like, you know, the other extreme of like, now you can't go to the grocery store by yourself. Now you can't go to meet girlfriends at the movies by yourself because you might get assaulted, you know, then that's also mm. a red flag. So it's just watching all of those types of things and, and, feeling into your body, you know, does your body feel comfortable with this person? Do you feel safe? Safety. That's the number one key to all of it. Yeah. And I, and I think like, I think
2: a lot of times some people can end up looking for red flags and Mm -hmm. like finding what they're looking for because they're looking. But I think what I really like about what you're saying is I think it's about recognizing patterns that you've fallen into in the past, yes, and thinking like I'm not looking for every red flag on the planet that this person might be exhibiting, but what are the things that I have overlooked in the past consistently, yes, that I should have better antenna up for to check
0: out,
1: yeah, and you know, the body doesn't lie, mm. so if you get really still and just you know, go to the bathroom, lock the door, no one's going to bother you in the bathroom. If they do, then you definitely are in the wrong relationship. But you need to go to the bathroom, lock the door and just feel into your body. You know, do you feel safe? If you feel safe, cool. But women, especially we have an intuition that is really, really usually like, spot on. So if there's something in your gut, that's like, Get the hell out of here. Get away from this person or don't talk to this person again. Please, please, please trust that over your fear of being alone and dying in your bed by yourself. Like, trust your gut over everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know, ne- you never need a reason to feel
1: uncomfortable. Right. You never That's need so a reason. True. Just
0: uh, That was the best advice my dad ever gave me about, I guess i don't know dating and men. he didn't even realize he said that to me once and it was my team was all talking about a teacher we felt was creepy quote unquote and my dad just was like who are you guys talking about and we were kind of joking and he just straight up was like hey if that person makes you feel uncomfortable you have an uneasy feeling he's like stay away from them get away from them and and if you're ever in a scenario you just go i'm not comfortable he's like get out of there you don't need a reason just go say i have to go bye that's That's really good advice i like great advice I have
1: felt
2: that way, especially like in my most recent serious relationship earlier on when I was dating him, I felt so much anxiety in my chest a couple times when I was at his apartment. And I remember thinking like, he's your boyfriend. You're This is weird. Like you're, you don't, you're not feeling this because of him. Like you're just, you're being crazy. Like this was like me talking to myself. Mm-hmm. I talked myself out of a gut feeling that later circled back around and slapped me in the
1: face. Yeah. I think yeah. we all have. Which is why I really drill that home, especially with with clients that I'm coaching. I'm not a dating coach, but but just in in any scenario, I'm telling. uh, I always say like, trust your gut over everything else because it doesn't lie.
2: It's so true. Um, Well, Allison, this has been amazing. I feel like we could just continue and continue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Nuggets. Uh, Thank you so much for having me.
2: Yeah. So, can you remind our listeners where they can find you and your coaching?
1: Yeah. Um. You go to my website. It's allisonroberts.com, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N. And there's all of the information, how they can get in touch with me, Um, information about my books, my webinars, Um, all of that's on there. Amazing. Well, thank you again. This was incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Erica, too. Thank you. Yes.
0: Thank you so much.